0: From episode 810 of The Sleeper on the Bust. It is Tuesday, May 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning.
1: Good morning. Is it baseball yet?
0: It is not, uh-huh. but we could be inching there. It inching.
1: Looks, it looks That's like this is on
0: inching there. Um, another proposal's out. We've got a draft set. Uh, That's going to start in about a month, June 10th, and um, we're going to talk about both those things. Then we're going to talk about some notable guys moving up over the last month in average draft position, because drafts are still going on, a lot of draft and hold stuff uh, over at the NFBC. So we're going to get into that, but let's start with the latest proposal. Um, It started floating around yesterday, giving some of the ins and outs. Why don't you kind of take us through what we're dealing with here as we kind of uh, get some big news toward a potential proposal for a 2020 season. What what are the highlights here, or lowlights?
1: So, I mean, they, what they're going to propose is an 82-game season. Uh, so we're going to get ha- half, a, half a season's worth of games, it looks like. Uh, that most teams are going to get to play at their home stadiums. Now, there's obviously going to be some issues with that. Toronto doesn't sound like they're going to be able to play at home. Uh, so they may have to uh, stay in Florida. California teams may have some issues playing home, uh, so they may have to stay in Arizona or, or figure something out with, with the governor uh, in California. But it sounds like most of the home, the, the idea is that most teams will play in, in their home stadiums. Uh, spring training will begin in June at okay. some point, uh, with the season starting probably around July 1st, July 4th, something like that. A universal DH, which I think is great. Uh, And I think if if that is agreed upon, I don't think we ever see pitchers hitting in in the major leagues again. I think that is the end of that. Yeah. Um, uh, So it'll be. They're proposing 30 man rosters with a taxi squad, which will uh, have, you know, a total of 50 players available. Um, And then they're going to. It'll be geographic schedules. So the. You will only play if you're in the AL East. You will only play teams in the AL East and the NL East. Uh, you know, oh, wow. if you're in the if you're in the Central, you're only going to play teams in the AL Central and the NL Central. And if you're in the West, you're only going to play teams in in the AL West or NL West. Which means the A's are going to play a lot of games in Colorado, and that's interesting. Like it, we're going to start seeing, you know, uh, we start thinking about how loaded the AL East and the NL East is. How, yeah. how bad do you want pitchers from those divisions now? That's uh, tough. So and, it's going to be interesting if this is what they actually go with.
0: Well, and then you have the NL Central teams getting the AL Central.
1: Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll be... and And other teams, like in the AL East and AL West, not getting to play the AL Central.
0: Yep, yep. And so... I mean, every setup would have its its pluses and minuses. I, I think just off the top, there, you're right that the East I think would be most hit by pitching, in terms of of changes there, because of all the teams that um, that can hit so well there. Central I think would be, you know, it's already kind of something to pick on with the AL Central having the Tigers, and the Royals. We don't know about the White Sox, although we do think they're going to be a lot better. But then you'd also have the Pirates that you're getting a lot. Of course, you got the Reds, you know, Brewers, um, Cardinals, and Cubs, too. You know, that's that's expected to be a big battle. So there would be pluses and minuses all over the place, but that'd be really interesting. Obviously, you talk about the A's and the other AL West teams, they're going to get to go to Colorado a heck of a lot more under this system. They're also so going that'd to, be interesting.
1: They're also going to get to play the Giants and yep. the Padres. You know, I mean, it's it becomes a uh, you know teams like the Dodgers get to play the Mariners a bunch, and uh, it, it's in, going to be an interesting system. It's definitely going to change the way we look at certain players
0: for sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. I think it, it completely changes yeah. things. Um, on on a lot of levels. So if if once that was a known factor, uh, we'd be able to really dive in and kind of see what's what. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. Now, now
1: they're also going to expand the playoffs, which I'm all for. So what the, what they're going to do is they're going to add another wild card game. Okay. So there'll be two wild card games in each uh, e- each league, so there'll be 14 total playoff teams. So two play in games. Uh, which I, I, I'm all for. Like, I, I know there's some people who are like, don't expand the playoffs. Too many teams make them. No, like give me, especially for a one-game playoff, give me that. I, I'm totally for that.
0: In in this aspect, I'm okay with it. Um, generally, I, I'm, I'm not as okay with it in terms of, like, doing it on a permanent basis. But with this 82-game situation that's just kind of weird in, in itself, yeah. I, I get it. I'm into uh, to expand things a bit, so I, I, I can definitely see that. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's expand. Uh, now there's a big hangup right now, right? With regards to the revenue sharing. Talk us through that a little bit. The the majors, uh, the excuse me, the owners want the players to accept money, kind of based on what they make, and on an 82 game schedule, and the players are worried about giving into that being essentially a cap and then they're worried about that becoming the norm just as the NLDH I think would have a chance to stick maybe the players are worried that maybe this would stick then going forward with real you know full seasons I should say uncompromised seasons so talk to us a bit about what's going on there and what what you expect the uh, results to be yeah this
1: is one of those instances where I think the owners are trying to jam something in to set some sort of precedent, because the CBA comes up at the end of this year, uh, and they need a new one for next year. And mm-hmm. if they can institute some sort of cap now, uh, <laughs> they might be able to, uh, you know, try to jam one in to the CBA, which they've wanted to do for a long time. I mean, Major League Baseball is the only sport, uh, major sport in the U.S. that does not have a salary cap of some sort. So. Uh, obviously, the players don't want to do that, and they had already come to an agreement that, uh, you know, they would take 160 or one 162, uh duh, I can't even say it, um, you know, percentage. So, you know, they would, if there was a shortened season, they would just get paid on a game-by-game basis as opposed to just getting the whole contract. And I feel like mm-hmm. the players feel like that was more than fair. Um yeah. And so I can't imagine that they're going to agree to that because I think they want to do like a, I think it's like a 51-49 split, um, you know, for owners to players. Uh, And I think there's a lot for the players to lose in the long term. You know, they may not necessarily lose out a ton in the short term in the 82 game schedule because, I mean, they're still going to get the TV contracts honored and stuff like that. And so that's a huge part of the revenue, but... Uh, ultimately, they benefit from not having the players benefit from not having cap, and so uh, I think it would you know it's probably going to be smart for them to not accept that.
0: And yeah, and it doesn't really seem like they're going to want to um, accept that at all. I mean, that seems to be a a hard line right now. So we're going to kind of see how that goes. And man, if it gets acrimonious, that 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 can be problematic especially if it curbs the ability to get back on the field this year.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, and, I, I made a comment last night on the live stream because uh, I, I did uh, Vlad's live stream for Guru, uh, and Yance Eaton was on it, and he you know, said, like, the players aren't going to accept this. This could really mean we don't get baseball this year. Like, you know, he, he was saying mm-hmm. that he felt like this was a bigger obstacle in coronavirus to players getting back on the field. And I said, you know, if if they don't come to some sort of agreement now, there's a real chance we don't get baseball till 2022, because yeah. if, if if talks break down now, I mean, that's going to carry on into the CBA talks, uh, and that's going to be really really bad for for us and for baseball. So, I think they'll come to some sort of agreement. I don't think it'll it'll be a straight revenue sharing type thing. Uh, that's that's going to be proposed, I believe, today. So. Uh, I think they'll get it figured out. The owners want to get paid too. Like the owners want to make that money off of those TV contracts. Um, you know, and the players want to get paid. So I, I think they'll come to some sort
0: of agreement. Yeah. I mean, they definitely want to make, they definitely want to make money th- this year in some capacity. Right. I mean, th- that kind of goes without saying so they will be incentivized to get something done. Uh, bo- both sides will, of course, but, um, We'll see how it goes. You know, you and I have not been remarkably optimistic on all of this, not because we don't want baseball, but just because we kind of see some of the roadblocks. And I I guess, you know, we've just been pessimistic on exactly how they're going to go. I, 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 again, I say it every episode we talk. I want to be wrong. I don't know, though. So, does all the info that we've gotten since the last time you and I talked change your thoughts?
1: Uh, yes and no. I feel pretty good that they're going to start playing baseball, that we will get some games. The problem is we don't know how the virus is going to react long term. Uh, you know, Will we get a second wave that a lot of people are projected? And what happens then if someone gets sick? Um, you know and I mean Major League Baseball is in a lose-lose situation in this because if they say no we're just going to play it conservative and wait and other leagues start then they're you know they risk people going well basketball's restarted you know hockey's Mm -hmm. restarted why why can't you guys Uh, or if they do the opposite and they they restart and someone gets sick and or even worse potentially dies uh, like that's a PPR problem that crushes baseball so it's like it's a lose-lose situation for the the you know major league front office and all that and and uh you know and the commissioner uh so like i don't envy the situation they're in uh at the same time i think it's gonna happen i i I would put the chances that we see baseball this year at 85 percent, and the chances that we finish a full season or a, a partial season
0: at about 50 okay that's a little something to grab on to there. That, that's not nothing. Um, so here's hoping. Here's hoping you're right uh, on all that. I would, I would love to see that. But, um, yeah, so that's where we're at on the proposal right now. We'll follow the news as it goes because it kind of changes darn near every day. So we'll, we'll definitely keep following it here on the show. We're also getting a draft. It's a five-round draft. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me why the draft has to be shortened? Because I <sighs> have not seen a good reason.
1: I mean, no. <laughs> the the I mean the rationale is that MLB scouts have not had the proper opportunity to uh, to watch a lot of these guys and uh, and 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 really scout them, and so they're they're just throwing money blindly at these players. Uh, like I don't even have a problem necessarily with them shortening the draft, but to the extent that they shortened it to is, five rounds is insane. And then that every you know ml you know anyone who's not drafted potentially becomes just a minor league free agent, um, you know, and they can have get a twenty thousand dollar bonus max. Like is it's just a cash grab, and I, I think the fact that the players union is okay with this, just you know, shows gives us another example of major league players uh, kind of not caring about minor league players and and that is uh, sad. I think it's an interesting thing. and I, I know there are a lot of people like, well, players are just gonna go back to college or go play independent ball. Uh, I, I'm sure some some people will, uh, you know, if you were projected to be a, you know a fifth or sixth round pick, why would you risk it? At the same time, those players do get a little bit more power than they would normally have. You know, being able to pick your own team, like how many yeah. players who, uh, you know, it, I think it really helps the organizations that move players quickly um, because why would you go sign with Tampa Bay
0: if you're a minor league free agent? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah,
0: you can kind of figure out where, where can I move quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, so that that's very interesting. Uh, and I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, players having more choices in terms of where they end up, uh, especially in baseball where it could be four or five years before you sniff the majors anyways. Do you want to be stuck in an organization that is known for purging their minor leagues and trading them all away, and then you're stuck somewhere you don't want to be? Do you want to be in a place like Tampa Bay where they slow roast a lot of their prospects, Or, or do you want to go to an organization that might push people a little bit faster like we've seen San Diego do recently? So... Um, I, I think that is super interesting. I, I do not agree that it should be five rounds. I, I think, you know, 10 rounds probably would have been fine. Take the top 300 players and go, you guys are getting drafted. You guys are getting paid. The rest of you guys, you know, you at least get the choice of where you're going to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, five just, I don't know, man. I, I'd, I'd have to see it. I am seeing a compelling reason as to why it has to be dropped to five. So I just don't really buy it. Um how does this impact dynasty leagues? Uh
1: I mean 2020 was supposed to be a pretty rich draft in terms of like how deep the talent pool was. Um and so I think a lot of people had started, you know, prior to coronavirus if they were kind of, you know, in tune on that, you know, gathered a lot of draft picks um and that's really unfortunate because it, it really kind of screws those owners that were trying they were really planning for 2020 yeah. um in, in this draft uh it's going to be interesting because I don't know I mean it depends really I mean how deep your draft is so and how deep your league is like how how many of these guys were you going to be actually drafting um I mean we're getting what five rounds as 150 players if you're if you're first year player draft is more than 150 picks um which i know a lot of leagues i play in are uh then you may want to think about foregoing the draft this year and combining it with next year's draft um because we don't know if this is something that sticks you know we, yep. this could be how the draft is now done from you know from here on uh, and so you a lot of leagues may have to change their rules in terms of how they handle first-year player drafts uh, if, if this is going to be the case uh, or if this is going to be the scenario yeah. moving forward. So um, I, I'm on the, you know, if, if you've got a pretty small draft, if, you know, if you're playing in, a let's say, a 10 or 12-team um, league and you're only doing a few rounds, Uh, then just continue as you normally would. This isn't going to impact you very much, but if you're playing in a super deep league, uh, you know, where you're drafting, you know, a hundred to 200 or more minor league or, uh, you know, first year players, then I I would suggest combining it with 2021 and really kind of giving yourself some time to see if your league needs to adapt their rules.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's really fair. Um, I'm speechless cuz it just frustrates me. I just don't understand it. It just doesn't just doesn't make sense. I've ne- I've never understood outside of the obvious like I understand the obvious of why they're trying to do it. They they never even really bothered to come up with a good reason as to why they had to do this outside of like we didn't have enough time. It's like granted, but that affects all the teams and again, you don't go from what is it standard now 40 so you went mm-hmm. from forty to five. Yeah. Hmm. And that I'm supposed to believe that that's like that, that makes sense. That's the that's the right jump. No, don't. I don't buy it. So well, I mean,
1: it makes you wonder how many more minor league teams get contracted after the season,
0: right? Because that's already been discussed mm-hmm. as well. So yeah that that's that one's frustrating. That's uh that one's pretty much locked and loaded, by the way. That will start June tenth. That's not that's no longer a proposal. That's what it is. So maybe have fun we maybe with we that. should
1: get a, a prospect guy on and talk to yeah, him. Yeah, see about if Eric it.
0: can help us out mm-hmm. to talk further about the details of it. Um yeah, let's see what he's up to. Maybe come on either Thursday or next week. But uh let's get into some some more fantasy deep dive here, talk a little bit about some notables. Moving up, uh, we've actually had a, a good bit of movement. you put together the spreadsheet here comparing uh, the most recent month to the uh, to the what month or six weeks before that right yeah
1: the month the the last month in terms of drafts and I believe there were 58 of them uh, over the course of the last month on NFBC uh, versus the month previous so it, okay. is, it is a four week snapshot of, of each.
0: And then we're looking at the biggest movers within the top 300 from the last month. Instead, of getting some guy like I think Domingo Hermann. Well, that was actually a a move down. But he moved like 250 from 400 to 650, stuff like that. We're not really as concerned with. We're kind of looking here at the top 300. We found a bunch of guys that I think are are pretty interesting. So let's kind of just run down the list and start uh, giving some thoughts on these and, and maybe guess as to why they've moved. A bit, if it's not obvious. Obviously, Spencer Howard, I think, has been talked about. Now, one of the things that we're seeing with all these proposals and and the, the discussion around them is that hey, teams could start going to like a sixth man, basically, um, or that sixth man needs to be right there, ready to go. That's Spencer Howard in Philly right now with an opportunity to take a spot. You know, just kind of rip a spot and be the fifth guy if a Velasquez or an Eflin just aren't aren't good enough. I'd say Arietta too, but I think his contract keeps him in and, and gives yeah. him some real time. Well, it depends on what
1: his health is, too, because he hurt himself. True. Remember, that, like, last pitch of, of, of spring training this year. Yeah, if he's
0: not, if he's not healthy, that mm-hmm. would obviously change things. So Howard's somebody who could actually be in the rotation as is or be in some sort of finagled six-man thing. So talk to us a bit about Spencer Howard. He's an interesting prospect. I've actually learned of him more... Uh, Via MLB The Show, they came out with a really cool Future Stars card of his, where they kind of they they gas him up to a diamond to show like what the what the future could be like. So I'm I become more accustomed with Spencer Howard over recent weeks, um, just kind of reading up on him and everything. I'm intrigued for sure. Is he somebody that you'd be drafting uh, in like a 50 round draft and hold, or is it a standard 15 team or 12 team that you would find yourself getting Howard on your reserves?
1: I think he's a guy that in a fifteen team standard draft I might take a shot on in my reserves. I mean he's he's still like one going. of your last two or three guys. Yeah, exactly. You know, my last two or three rounds. Um I mean he he has opportunity, especially if teams you know, if we're playing eighty two games, I think some people forget that you know, in a regular 162 game season, like they look at the All Star break as like, oh, that's the middle. It's not really the middle, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, we, we get what like 60 games, um, you, you know, per team in in the second half. Uh, yeah, it and... can often
0: be 90 something to sometimes a hundred games.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, like they, in spite of the fact that they're looking at an 82 game schedule, they're still going to be like less off days than there normally would be in the second half. There's probably going to be a few built-in doubleheaders, uh especially mm-hmm. if we if we have rainouts and things like that. And so these teams are going to need six and potentially seven starters uh, that they kind of rotate and the the idea of the taxi squad is they're not going to have to like worry about, you know, oh, we send a guy down, he can't come back up for 10 days. Uh it's yep. just going to they're just going to be rotating these guys in and out and I think Spencer Howard uh, is gonna get a a pretty good opportunity. Uh, I mean, we grade him out over on uh, over on Fangraphs with a sixty grade fastball and a you know a future sixty grade changeup. I think that changeup is probably a sixty uh, right now. Uh, and I mean, his command can be hit or miss, but I think it has been improving quite a bit. Uh, and he's got four pitches. He's got a he's got a slider and a curveball as well. I'm really excited about Spencer Howard. Uh, Now, you know, the whole (laughs) how like stack the ALNL East division or whatever it's (laughs) going to be uh, definitely tempers it a little bit for me. So it will definitely be a kind of a late round flyer where I'm probably more apt to take a shot on Mackenzie Gore uh, as opposed to Spencer Howard. But I do like Howard a lot and we'll be getting a few shares. uh, We already have a few shares, so I'll, I'll be getting a few more shares before the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. I, I definitely agree um. with that outlook on Spencer Howard. He has moved up to maybe where he has to be in your last 10 rounds. He's moved up to pick 296. So he's gone up a bit, but you're still talking about the back third of your draft there uh, to take a gamble on a young pitcher, Spencer Howard, for the Phillies, who could pop off. Um, let's move on to our next guy here. This one is is straightforward. It's Hunter Harvey moving up. And that is based on some speculation that he could close for Baltimore. And we've talked about it a million times on the show, but saves just never go cheap. And that's why we hate the, uh, the, the, the throwaway of, like, just get saves off the wire when everyone's chasing them. Yeah, good luck. Um, Hunter Harvey's moved from 479 to 274. He's really found his way into, again, that, that kind of uh, last 10 rounds area, even maybe a little bit higher as their speculation that he could close for Baltimore. Because even though it's Baltimore, they're not going to be that good, people are still interested in any closer they can get. So Hunter Harvey was a one-time big big prospect along with Dylan Bundy. They were the kind of one-two punch. Health has really de- derailed him, pushed him into the bullpen. But he's still just 25 and now looks kind of intriguing out of the bullpen. I- I've been on this Hunter Harvey thing uh, all throughout the – Winter and into the spring as far as somebody who could close. I have been in a couple 50 rounds. He was on my list in 15. It never got to the point where I had to take him. I already had my, my saves kind of covered by the time Hunter Harvey came around. But 15 team, I was still open to doing it. Now you have to be, in, you know, now you can't just get him in the reserves. So is Hunter Harvey somebody that you're considering for Baltimore's closer role?
1: Yeah, absolutely not. This is this is so silly. Uh, I mean, I I like Hunter RV as a pitcher, and if you're looking for a guy that at the end of maybe your uh, your your bench or something like that, your your reserve list that can maybe help stabilize some ratios a little bit, uh, it, you know, give you some more strikeouts uh, from your bullpen. Go ahead, I'm fine with that. Especially if you're playing in a league without a lot of sharp. People And people don't know who he is. Take the shot that he becomes the full time closer. But what we saw last year in Baltimore uh, is that they are going to split the save opportunities, you know, all around. I mean, this is a team that won 54 games last year. So let's divide that by two and say that in a second half or, you know, in a, in a half season, they might win 27 games. And there might be save but, opportunities in twenty of them, and it's going to be split between three people. Like if you're going for saves from Hunter Harvey, I, I think you're doing it wrong.
0: Scale, all, I think I don't even think you can just do the having of the wins because again, <laughs> only facing East. Yeah, the the two Easts. They don't get are to top. play the Royals. They don't get to play the
1: Mariners like this. Is like I, like I understand people are excited, and I think people should be excited for him in two thousand twenty-one. But in mm-hmm. two thousand twenty, like I just don't see the profit potential on Hunter Harvey. Like, they're not gonna go out in and win, you know, forty-five, well, you
0: know, fifty. In 60 fairness, games. I, I took him. I took him when we were gonna get a full season. Mm-hmm. So I thought you know take over in June. And run it for the rest of the season. But your points are well taken here with regards to what can you realistically expect. Yes, he could end up being a a even if he doesn't get saves a rotation filler for ratios and strikeouts. He does still have a gargantuan walk rate. Hunter Harvey does that that you have to be careful of. It was um it was all right in the minors like it was fine in the minors, but then he came up to the majors only six in the third, but fifteen percent. And the only reason I even bring it up in six and the third is because he's had kind of control issues before. Again, he tamed him in the minors last year. But the second he got to the majors, he's kind of like overthrowing a bit, getting the strikeouts, getting the hot velocity readings. But Harvey wasn't finding the zone. So I think he also
1: gave up a lot of home runs in the majors and the minors last year. I mean, like his look at his home run per nine rate. um, it, it was not anything spectacular. And while the fly ball rate was down in the majors, in the minors, he gave up a lot of fly balls. And he's gonna be pitching. That's in, the last thing you want. Yeah, in he's get, in, in Camden, and having to play in Fenway, and having to play uh, uh, Philly. <laughs> in Philly, and, and in, face in, the Washington team. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't, I, I just don't see where the huge profit potential
0: is. No, I think that's fair. I think, I, think I I don't think there is huge profit potential at this price. I think I'm I've got my I've got my shares. I, I think I'm good to go with with what I've got, and and I honestly would I cash them in if if you gave me an op- option. Probably, like I'm not that keen on them anymore, but that's okay. You know, I, I paid nothing for them in, in the fifty team draft. And for uh, Hunter Harvey, another prospect moving up that I. He's off my board right now for the exact reason that we're talking about. We're going to talk about two more guys, actually three here, all three pitchers in the NL, uh, in the East, we'll call it the, the, the super East. Nate Pearson, prospect for Toronto. Nathan Evaldi, our boy from Boston, and James Paxton from New York. I'm going to kind of push off James Paxton a little bit. He's moving up because he's going to be healthy. Like He's one of the guys who benefits from that, so that's kind of obvious. Do you have any things that you want to say about him? Like, Are you moving him way up your board?
1: Um, I mean, I'm moving him up my board. I'm not moving him way up. I think that the okay. initial reaction for people who uh, are targeting players that were injured in you know the original spring training because they've had time to get healthy and that's great. Like, but I think the initial reaction is maybe an overreaction because we have no idea how seriously players are taking their rehab. They're having to do a lot of it by themselves. Uh, and so there are going to be some players that come back and are fine and are great, you know, you know, you, you know Suarez maybe, um, you know, maybe Stan, you know, or, or guys like that, or it, we may see the exact opposite. They come back and they get hurt again because they weren't doing the proper rehab because they didn't either have yeah. the ability or the desire to. I mean, a lot of people are just sitting around playing MLB The Show right now. Oh, um, for sure. I mean, it's
0: the, the, the ability to stay motivated, respect to those guys who are yeah busting their humps still, because that is hard, man. That is hard in all of this with no end in sight and all that to stay on your grind. So respect. Um, yeah, I, I'm moving Paxton up, but I'm not skyrocketing him. I'm more interested in talking about Pearson e- Evaldi. Um Evaldi's our guy. We, we love him. He's moving up to a point that I think is is still affordable. So I'm still buying uh, 295 is where he moved up to from 363. I- I'm still in. Yeah, even with the AL, even with the, the Beast, we'll call it uh, instead of just the Super. East, we'll call it the Beast because again, that is tough. Because I think even the Marlins present a little bit of a challenge compared yeah. to where they were last year. The They're Mets not are, a walkover. The Mets have a good. The offense. Mets were projected. <laughs> They were projected to do really well. Like yeah. the, the Pocotas and, and our project, like all the projection systems like the Mets a pretty solid in, bit.
1: And all these AL East pitchers going to play, you know, NL East hitters, like now have to deal with a DH. Like it's not like yep. not, like the Mets were a team that were like, oh man, how are they going to get all these guys playing time? Well, now
0: they can. So. Now they might just have a free Cespedes in the lineup mm-hmm. instead of the pitcher. Yeah. So, so yeah. This, that is tough. Um, I'll still buy you of all but mm-hmm. Well,
1: because the price is still super, super cheap, but exactly. it, it, it is surprising to see him jump up the way it is because it's not injury necessarily injury related. Um, there has been like no real news that no, pushes him up. I think, I think people were just there were some sharps already targeting him. And now mm-hmm. the the rest of the community is starting to catch on a little bit more and starting to push him up.
0: Yeah, I think that's accurate with regards to Evaldi. So let's talk Pearson. I think this the this beast division that we're talking about is making me fully move off of him. I don't I don't think I'm taking any Pearson shares right now because it was already not guaranteed anything for the Blue Jays. He's actually kind of there, Spencer Howard. Yeah, so I think I think Nate Pearson could be a guy who's who's finagled into like a, a hybrid sixth role, maybe even takes over a role, and I really do like him long term. But I don't know that i'm I'm joining in this year now anymore again outside of the shares that I already have. Um, he's up to two eighty so it's not overly expensive, but i'm I'm more of the wait and see right now. I'm not sure I want to dive in so much on somebody like Nate Pearson given how difficult this division uh, is stacking up, right? Or, or, or do you agree, I guess I should say?
1: I was kind of off of Nate Pearson um, to begin with, just because okay. I didn't really know what the role was going to be. Um, it, it, it's so difficult to project what he where he's going to fall in this. I mean, I don't believe he's on the 40-man roster. So does that mean that they're going to even have him on the taxi squad? Because do they want to start giving him MLB service time unless they're ready to just let him rip? Now they could. Right. And this is a team that, you know, I think we're expecting to start getting better. You know, they were a sixty seven mm-hmm. win team last year. We expect them to be, you know, maybe kind of a, you know, fifty percent, you know, win percentage kind of team. Well, and spe- and,
0: especially in a, a, a short sample here.
1: Exactly. They could get hot uh and really push. I think the fact that they're going to be in this, you know, uh beast uh Division, quote unquote, it makes it makes things much more difficult for them because they're going to be fighting against a lot of these really good teams in the AL East and the NL East, uh, and that means teams with easier schedules in the AL Central and the AL West uh, have a better shot at just getting some easy wins. And that that that's really tough for the Blue Jays. I I'm I'm probably I'm just gonna miss out, and and I'm okay with missing out. Uh, I don't think there's a guarantee that he's on this 50 man roster. You know, with with a with a 20 man taxi squad.
0: Yeah, uh, Pearson was a non roster invitee. So, mm-hmm. and I just think that
1: you know if the if the Blue Jays don't are, are aren't all in, which I don't necessarily know that they are uh, for this year. I don't know that they even mess and give him you know some MLB service time. I just I just don't mm-hmm. know that they're going to necessarily want to do that. So. I'm out. If I'm wrong, good for everybody, because uh, I do think he will be pretty awesome <laughs> once he is uh, once he is pitching uh, in the majors. Yeah. But I think for 2020, I'm just going to take a
0: pass. This is another guy, Nate Pearson, that I already have some shares of. So it's like I-, I could be in if he does pop off, but I'm not adding more. You know, if and when we do. Uh, he, I mean, you know, a, a set the, of drafts.
1: He's going in the exact same spot as Mackenzie Gore. And you just can't tell me that Mackenzie Gore doesn't have a clear path to playing time. I,
0: I, I think Gore is 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 the better bet there. So I'm, I'm with you on that. So there's the, the East pitchers. Let's move on. Actually, let's bump up one real quick. Uh, let's bump up Nick Anderson since he's mm-hmm. part of the, the Beast as well. Closer. Perceived. Assumed. Would-be closer for Tampa Bay. One thing I like is that Tampa Bay never messes with stuff as far as closers go. They name a guy, <laughs> and that is just set it and forget it, dude. I mean, this is the same
1: kind of situation as Hunter Harvey. Like, I understand why everybody
0: is super excited. To a, to a much more expensive degree, by the way. This is yes. this is the well, supercharged Hunter and, Harvey scenario.
1: And on, on the flip side of the coin, with a much larger profit
0: potential. Yeah, 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 he's we, up to one twenty nine, by the way, for uh, or one thirty for Nick Anderson.
1: We expect the Rays to be very good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very much toying with the idea that the Rays are my favorite to win the World Series this year. I, um,
0: I can I can totally hear that,
1: especially with expanded rosters and their ability to really play around with platoons uh, and, and uh, you know their management style. I I really think that this. Uh, you know these rules help benefit the rays quite a bit uh and not men- not to mention adding another you know two more playing off teams uh you know it gives them a better mm-hmm. chance of not being you know drowned out in in the AL beast so i really like the rays and i like nick anderson as a pitcher i just can't pay the price like you know we go look at our depth charts you know ross resource uh, page you know over on fangraphs And we currently have the closer projected as a three-way kind of, you know, a three-headed dragon with Nick Anderson, Diego Castillo, and Jose Alvarado. Uh, I don't know that there's a reason to not believe that that's the way Tampa Bay will approach it. Like, yeah, is Nick Anderson the most talented? I think there is an argument to say that he is. But why do they need to then, uh, you know, use him as the closer? I mean, this is a team that's always... You know, tried to leverage the situations and the statistics to the best of the ability. And mm-hmm. we know that that means that the best pitcher doesn't always need to come in in the ninth. So I, I think this could be really frustrating. Uh, and if you're leaving a draft with him as your number one closer, I think you're doing it wrong.
0: Yeah, I think if Nick Anderson's your number one, I'd be a little bit nervous. I, I like him. You just can't trust... You just can't trust the rays to to set it in and forget it. So that's the that's and that's it. And and my whole you know I mean,
1: w- w- coming to last year, Jose Alvarado was like one of those closers. Yeah, everybody was really really excited about, and he was coming into the year with the expectation that he had the role locked down, and he was bad, and they just never went back to him. And nope. now we're talking about a shortened season where if someone's bad and gets pulled from a role there may not be enough time for them to get the roll back. Oh, for sure. And so for like sure. I just these situations where there's two or three guys, um, I'm just really staying away from unless they're really cheap and there's profit potential. So like if we're talking about like Mark Melanson and Will Smith, I'll take the shot on Melanson because the the price is still affordable. Uh, you know, at what is ADP is, you know, around, you know, pick two hundred. And the profit potential, if he is the guy clearing away, like, is huge for, for the closer in Atlanta. But while the profit potential is huge for Nick Anderson, the role is so muddy and the price is so huge that I'm just not going to do it.
0: Yep. I, I, I can't really add to that without just saying the same stuff. So I'll, I'm going to let that go on Nick Anderson. Totally agree with you. I love the talent. I really do. But you can't get me to really go ham- on investing because everybody's in on the talent and they've pushed the price to a point where i I can't i can't do it i can't do it and that's one of those where i'll kind of be i guess secretly rooting for somebody else's player because i I hope he does well because i just like the pitcher. I, i respect the team it's just one of those things i like to see success from them but yeah i am not paying the nick anderson premium right now especially because like you said he'd be your number one And that's not stable to have him as your number one. All right, let's move into the central and talk about a group of central hitters. Three really, really interesting hitters here. This is a good group. Ian Happ. I've been fully back in all spring here. um, And it looks like the market is, is really pushing him up as well. He's gone from 287 to 256 now. 30-pick spike. He's gone a min-pick of 193 in that time. I think once we got a draft situation going, he'd probably be 240 and above. I think he'd range from that one, kind of like 180 to 240 regularly, Ian Happ. Expected to possibly be the full-time center fielder for the Cubs. Had a good little um, second half last year for them. I, I think it's time. You know, this is a guy bought in early obviously hilarious flop after that first pitch of the season home run and uh, it was not. It was not uh, you know the, the beginning of the greatest season ever for Ian Happ. but he's still 26. I mean a little bit later of a breakout than some of the ones we've been seeing these days with guys breaking out younger. Uh, but this actually would be his age 25 season um, the 20, the 2020 season would be so I'm in you know it's a power speed guy. I think the power could be there to hit Homers at a 30 homer clip. With a twelve steel pace, and then so t- tamp that down, I guess break that in half, and I, I could see like a fifteen and six type of deal with a decent average. You know, he ended up hitting two sixty four last year. He still strikes out a lot, but he cut it down to twenty five percent last year, which is perfectly manageable because Hap can also take a walk. So I'm full. I'm fully in here, even with the price. Surge. What, what, what say you about Ian Happ?
1: Yeah, I was already in, and I think this is just one of those situations uh, like Ivaldi where this is just, you know, this is kind of the natural progression in terms of him going up the board. Uh, people are just starting to catch on that uh, that he, you know, he cut the strikeout rate, which was a huge thing for him, and he didn't, like, lose a ton in his walk rate at the same time, and so I- I'm very excited about Ian Happ. I know he's probably going to hit you know, 6th or 7th, something like that, uh, to start the year. But it would not be surprising for me to see him start moving his way up the lineup, though that is a stacked top part of the lineup. Uh, The DH obviously helps as well because uh, they're able to get other bats in the lineup without having to take him out, uh, which is going to be great. So I I really like Ian Happ. I think he is still a bargain at the price, uh, and I'm just hoping it doesn't skyrocket much more.
0: Yeah, I, I would obviously like like this to kind of tamp down here and and, and be at this price for a hap. This is another guy I'd be adding shares of, though. Already have him a bunch. Would continue to get more. So is this next guy, Mill Reyes? I don't have. I, I shouldn't say I have a bunch of him, but I do have a couple shares here and there of the big slugger. He's moving up as well. Um, he's with Cleveland now. Don't forget for those of you that maybe missed that uh, that he moved over there. If you if you don't play in. Uh, actually, he should have been. He should be on your radar in just about every mm-hmm. format. Franmil Reyes, especially now that he's moving up to pick 108, so it's about a 20 pick spike. People are really starting to see him as you know in that kind of Miguel Sano territory. He's in Cleveland, so he's a full time DH. The Franimo man. I mean, he can absolutely rake massive, massive pop. Solid lineup there in in Cleveland, despite some of the stuff that I don't like that they did. They still have a pretty strong lineup, especially in the top half where he's going to bat. Are you buying Fran Mill at, uh, at the premium price after his 37 homer campaign last year?
1: Oh, man. It's, I, I mean, I value the talent. I don't know that I want to pay this price anymore, though. I feel like we've lost a lot of the profit potential. Uh, yeah, now he has to perform, right? Yeah, and it, I mean, it's a bummer because I, I do think he's going to be very, very good. I just don't know that he is that much better than a lot of the players that are going in his same area. I mean, you, you mentioned Miguel no, You know, you've got Reese Hoskins going right there around him. Carlos Correa is going, what, like six picks or five picks uh, before him. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I I don't think he's a bad option. Like, I'm not saying don't draft him at the price because I think he's, you know, a, a fine option. But, like, is he really that much better than Michael Conforto? Mm. Or Kyle Schwarber, who, like, you know, I'm not a huge Kyle Schwarber guy, but like, what's the difference there? Yeah. So yeah, well that
0: that that's the thing they've actually been going together. Did Schwarber not not follow suit there? And
1: yeah, Schwarber's going up a huge amount too. Okay, so. but he's
0: still he's he's tracking right with Reyes, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Actually, no. If, am I looking right here? Is he not thirty picks lower?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, he, I mean, he's, yeah, he's about 30 picks lower.
0: So, yeah, when they were neck and neck, I was leaning Schwarber, the more established guy, um, and without a 10% DH penalty, although now they could both end up DHing. But Schwarber has a bad defender, is not really, a thing. like, he's not an awful defender, they can play him out there, mm-hmm. he'll get some DH spots, but...
1: I think, anyway, he, I think they'll definitely DH him quite a bit more if there's a DH because, I mean, you got to look at the rest of that Cubs roster and go, uh, you know, Almora is a much better defender.
0: Uh, yeah, he'll be playing.
1: Hayward's a much better defender. Hap's a much better – like, that's the defense you want. Yeah, to Hap Hayward, Almora. Um, and, you know, with that extra roster spot. I mean, I guess days where Steven Seuss is in the lineup, then that's where Schwarber plays the outfield. But I, I would. My guess is that Schwarber is going to, uh, to sit on the bench versus, or not on the bench, uh, be a DH versus righties.
0: He will sometimes, I think, for sure. But anyway, he's now two rounds cheaper than Franmil. Yeah, and I, I don't... can't justify. I, I can't.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't think they're. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a huge Schwarber guy. We, we've we've argued about this in the past. Yeah. I think that the, the addition of the DH is really good for him because I don't worry about him uh, being sat late in games uh, quite as much. Um, and I, I don't worry about his playing time nearly as much as I, I worried about it before. And now that, to me, makes them very close to equal players. And I'm getting a two-round discount on Schwarber. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Schwarber.
0: It's nothing against Fran Mill. It's that uh, a damn near clone of him is available two rounds later. I just... Mm-hmm. I, I can't, and I, can't, I, can't love Fr- I love
1: Fran Mill, and I've got shares. I do too. And I'm glad I have the shares that I do.
0: Um, yeah, because I was kind of going either or with them. I was going back and forth with picking them. Um, and so I was like, hey, you know, I, I, I was happy to do that. But now... I mean, there's just in... so many guys.
1: Like, I mean, how much different is he than you know, Max Kepler, like, or like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I, I can keep like pushing down, like, like Edwin Garcia, like, and that's like, there's that a power bat and that you can get, you know, 50 picks later. That is yep. very, very similar, you know, at a much more difficult position to fill. Um, so like, yeah, I, am probably just not going to have any more shares of, uh, of, of for animal.
0: Yeah. I, I think I think we're right on there, and uh, less about him, more about what else is available. Dylan Carlson, the another prospect. Here. This is our first prospect hitter to discuss, though. He's moving up the board, particularly as um, you look at the Cardinals. He was already somebody who could have broken camp with them. He's a prospect who's who's ready, um, and and right there on 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 the cusp. He's not on the roster yet, but he was he was being talked about as somebody who can maybe even break camp with them. Now you add in a DH, not that he would necessarily play it, but it opens up a potential spot for him because they can take somebody like Dexter Fowler um, or even Matt Carpenter off the field, move Edmund back into the infield and open up a spot for Carlson. What do you think about Dylan Carlson and his move up to, hang on, let me get his pick here. Pardon me. 237. 237, okay. So from 290 to 237, still getting him, you know, not not as a key component to your team, but, you know, you don't want to waste that pick either. So what do you think about Dylan Carlson's move up?
1: Uh, uh, this is one of those guys that I was totally against drafting before, uh, you know, coronavirus. I just didn't know that he was going to get enough run, especially early on in the season. And if you're playing it in an FBC format where it's really hard to stash guys, I just didn't know when he was going to be up. Uh, that being said, now, I think all those reasons uh, that you mentioned are the reasons why he should be going up. And, and I think is worth taking the gamble on. I mean, he's got power. He's got speed. Uh, you know, I think he can probably hit for a, a, you know, a pretty good average at the major league mm-hmm. level. Uh, I mean, he he has, you know, really worked in the last two years on kind of limiting the strikeouts, uh, much more so than early on in his you know uh, early days in the minor league so I think he is a guy that should be you know kind of snagged right where he is going and I think I'm going to probably get a share or two uh, in my later drafts or my drafts that start up here in a little while uh, the only problem is I, I don't think that this this rise up the ADP is going to stop.
0: Oh, yeah, I think that's definitely the case with Dylan Carlson. Once we get locked and loaded, and the second that they make it official, too, if they say, oh, he's coming up, then all hell breaks loose on that ADP. Yeah. So where is kind of the max that, that you would pay?
1: Uh, probably about 220 ish I mean, because, you know, you start looking at where other players are, Um, you know, I think I would take him, you know, over, you know, guy, I mean, for instance, guys going in his area right now are like no more Mazzara, um, and David Peralta and Hunter Renfro. I think I'm willing to take the upside on him, you know, over those guys, even though I do like them, you know, I'll take him over Alex Verdugo, who's going, you know, around pick two thirty. The The question becomes, do you want him over guys like Andrew McCutcheon? and Nick Senzel, and Jock Peterson, and Yassil Puig. You know, that's where I start going, well, I'm, I lead McCutcheon, Lean McCutcheon there. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I did,
0: I did two McCutcheon over Carlson for me.
1: Um, you know, I mean, there's definitely guys going above him where I go, okay, no, I, I would, in my ranks, it's going to look a lot different. But at the same time, I, I don't. It kind of depends on what my roster construction is. You know, how much risk have I taken? You know, when I get to round pick 200, is going to determine whether or not I'm willing to take a risky guy who's never seen the majors in Carlson, uh, as opposed to you know taking a guy who's kind of a steady Eddie guy in, in Andrew Cutchin.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I think uh, I think we've kind of outlined where we're at with Dylan Carlson right now too. I'm open, but. There, there's certainly a point. Um, I, I would think I would need to have a draft going uh, very shortly here to get a Carlson share. Otherwise, if everything goes as, as we're seeing it and, and they announce that he's going to be part of their, their main squad there for the Cardinals, I think Carlson's price will probably move up too high for me just because of who also be available. So, um, all right. You good on those three central hitters? Yeah. Talk about some West pitchers then. Jesus Lazardo. I think we've spoken a lot about him. I don't know if we need to go much deeper. He's just moving up, and that's going to continue. I think uh, he's up to eighty, pick eighty-six now. Are you comfortable paying a top one hundred pick for Lazardo? I'm not. Yeah, I, I love they...
1: Lazardo, but there's oh, yeah. I just that is insanely high for a guy that. You know, had, has had injury issues already early in his career. He's now going to have to pitch in Colorado at times. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. No thanks on that. Um, And we don't know if he's even going to get the benefit of his home park because the California teams may not be able to play in California. Oh, yep, yeah. And yep. so, that's like, it just, there's, he had 80 pick, 86. We're talking, like, that's four picks behind Brandon Woodruff.
0: Oh, yeah, we love Brandon Woodruff. He has to perform at that Mm -hmm. point, right? And, you know, I understand the notion of like, okay, this shortened season, uh, they're going to maybe turn some of these guys loose and not have to baby them so much with a pitch count or, or innings cap or whatever. But it doesn't just miraculously make Jesus Lizardo healthy. And you mentioned that, you know, some of his lower innings counts, that's due to health.
1: Well, and it uh, also doesn't change, like, organizational philosophies. Like, just because yeah. teams don't have to baby them doesn't mean that teams like the A's or the Rays may not.
0: Oh, they're still going to be really sharp mm-hmm.
1: with their guys, too. Especially with the way they like to use their bullpens, and now mm-hmm. you've got a deeper bench of a bullpen with this 20-man, ro- uh, you know, or 50-man rosters. Uh, like, I I just don't know that you're going to see... You know, some of these guys on these teams that historically are very cautious and conservative change that.
0: yeah, no, i am I was big Lazardo all off season here. Now pick eighty six, too rich for just, my blood. Just can't do it. I'm just not seeing it. So it's unfortunate, but I'll be rooting him on from the sidelines there. Mm-hmm. Dylan Bundy's a guy that i I have definitely propped up here, and now he's moving up. He's up to 212, which is still very affordable, but he's starting to get into a point where some of these expectations do have to come to fruition for him to, uh, to be a viable pick. You, you still paying 212 for Dylan Bundy? Dude,
1: I wasn't paying 280 for Dylan Bundy. That's right, man. that's <laughs> right. You've been out, <laughs> not, you've been out not from not Jump de- Street, my bad. Definitely not paying the, the price on him, uh, especially if we're going to be talking about we don't know where the Angels are playing home games. Sure. Uh, if you know, what if they are playing in Arizona? Because that seems like the most logical solution for them if they're not allowed to play at their home games. Uh, uh, yeah, and no, I mean, I I don't believe in Dylan Buddy. He, this is one of those guys where, like, I understand why you and Jason are still in on it, but I've been burned one too many times, and uh, I, I'm I'm. If, if he succeeds, I'll be happy for you guys. Uh, but I'm just not, especially in a shortened season where. He gets blown up for six earned runs, like it's gonna be really hard for teams to overcome you know two or three blow ups like that uh for one player, and I just don't want that risk
0: you know that's an interesting point by the way too about um analysis those ugly starts are gonna stick more mm-hmm. you're gonna like more than ever I already do this a lot, and I think a lot of folks do, but just more than ever you're gonna really have to dig in on game logs to see exactly what's going on with somebody as opposed to just take their era at any sort of face value again i feel like you should always be doing that the makeup of an ERA is very important four grade starts in one ugly one even if it results in a 512 era it, if the skills are solid underneath too that you want that picture then but sometimes that gets, that gets a mask there and people make harsh decisions based on uh, a composite ERA. So It's going to be even worse for relievers. Oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah, because tiny samples, that one uh, one out, four-run outing mm-hmm. is going to stick with them all year. You yeah. won't be able to get that taken off unless you 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 run a 12-inning scoreless streak or something, which is hard to do. So that's a great call. That just, that's some analysis that we're going to have to be really smart about um, doing during this this half season here. So Dylan Bundy has been prone to blow-ups. I'm hoping that getting uh, not being in the beast is going to help curb his home runs. He may go into Colorado. Now, let's not overrate that, too, by the way. Like we said, Lizardo could be pitching there. Bundy could be pitching there. The schedule could miss them, too. They're going to play Colorado more, but 82 games – um what would that be nine other teams you know just on a division thing you're talking nine games uh each uh, so to speak and it could be you know four in colorado five in oakland or five in oakland's home or whatever and maybe bundy misses that totally maybe he's the guy who pitches right before that so let's not overrate those but your point about you've already been out on him i get it it's just not one of those late guys that 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 you gravitate toward Jason and I are Thelma and losing this shit right off the cliff (laughs) together. So,
1: um,
0: you know, we long-term friends, we're holding the hands and we're just, just, we're going for it. But, uh, yeah, so that's Dylan Bundy. Let's stay in the, in the West here and talk Julio Urias. Now, unlike Lazardo, I do think there's more of a case to believe that things are going to, Uh, You know, not necessarily have the reins off where it's just like, hey, do whatever you want. Julio Arias, go eight innings every time out. But they were already planning to lift the reins on him a decent bit and give him a chance to be an impact piece in this rotation. I'm still buying in on on Arias here. So even even with the price jump, he's up to pick 126. I can still pay that. I do worry that it's going to meander up even closer to a hundred and into the top 100 but as it stands right now i'll pay 126 for julio urias what about you yeah i think it's going to be draft dependent for me um okay. just okay. because yeah, of makes the sense.
1: guys going around him like let, let's do some would you rathers with guys okay. going you know before and after him would you rather julio urias or zach allen
0: Why do you have to challenge me so much on the yeah. first one, dude? Well, you can't I, I, don't think,
1: I think all of these are going to be challenging. Is the problem? Okay, um, Urias, but it's close. The gallon no, is me, going seven picks ahead. Uh, let let me pull up my,
0: my my rankings here, so I'm not totally contradicting myself. Even though these have evolved a bit, um, okay. Yeah, I did have Urias higher, so I'm I'm okay. I'm sticking to rankings so far. What about Max Freed, who's going? What about two, you
1: shut up and two stop counting
0: below him? Did you think about did you think about that though? Did you consider my point about the shut up thing?
1: Yeah, no. I, I really didn't. I didn't see that one Dang coming. It. Yeah.
0: Dang it. Uh Max Fried, I've been big on him as a big breakout. I've actually got him up at 25 kind of as a a statement flag plant sort of guy. So What about teammate David Price? Now they are neck and neck. And I do think team construction would would play a role there? Do I want more of a a steady guy who's kind of shown stuff? Not that he doesn't have upside. I I, I push back against that, so I'm not going to turn around and say the old guy doesn't have upside. Price does because if Price dropped like a like a legit 275 ERA, it's not likely. But I'm saying if he did for half a season, would you really be surprised? Would I, you be floored by that?
1: I mean, he's getting to pitch in the NL West. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he doesn't have to go again. you know, first time in the NL and doesn't have to go against the best team in that division. Yep, yep. he's uh, far and
0: away the best of the bunch. I mean, Houston's going to be there, it's, Oakland.
1: It's a fantastic park for him to be pitching in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, like, I, I think I'm taking David Price
0: there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So- that, that wouldn't follow my rankings, but they're so close that I'm actually going to say I'm taking price and I'm actually going to move them up to reflect that in a future ranking because I would lean price more often. But there are draft scenarios where maybe I've already got a few vets and I'm like, let me go for the, Let me go for the, you know, just the spike craziness, never before seen performance from an Arias here. What? Or let me get the guy who's got a, a probably a better floor and won't be babied. The what way Arias could.
1: What about a guy I've been out on in Carlos Carrasco?
0: Oh, you're out on Carrasco. Yeah, I am. Where do you have him ranked? Uh, I don't have my ranks up, but okay. M- well, you my... can look for that, and I'll I'll talk about. I would take Carrasco. I've got Carrasco thirteen spots higher at twenty four versus Arias at thirty seven. I think. Uh, I think. Super central division doesn't necessarily encourage me and make me feel like a great bit better than not playing the rest of the American League. But I don't hate it either. While I I love the Reds, I pick them to win, and I respect the Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs for sure. But the Pirates are another walkover to go with the Tigers and Royals. So you got Twins, Reds, Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers, and then White Sox are kind of a wild card. I, I I still like Carrasco. I'm still going Carrasco there. Why are you out? Just just the the health profile. I mean, yeah, I, I mean the know, health
1: profile. Not... We we the innings from last year. Obviously, like, I mean I'm not. I don't care about like what his ERA was or. But the, I mean the lack of innings from last year. We don't know what he's gone through physically in terms of you know the treatments for cancer and then he was injured in you know in spring training uh like i just i i you know he's not a guy who's been healthy much of his career anyways sure. i i just I, there's so many red flags that i just don't want to invest a pick that high on a guy with with that many red flags already so like he he's that's like fair. outside my top 50
0: no i think that that's uh i think that's fair
1: so that's- uh, last one Kyenjin Ryu who will likely not be playing in Toronto uh, because i mean Toronto is uh being very very strict about it. they they've said no professional sports there i think they're through the end of the year so
0: but uh, i'm scared of i'm scared of super uh, i'm scared of the beast for him now i liked that you know he might not be pitching in Toronto and and the AL East parks but now that he has to add the NL East I'm a little bit nervous. I I, I don't. I, I've I've vacillated between being a, a Ryu buyer and and kind of leaning off. But uh, I'm not I'm not really in. All right. Are you?
1: Um, I'm. I think I'm in at the price. The price I think is worth taking the the shot on. I mean, pick yeah, one forty four. I've uh, already got some. Yeah, I've so already got some. That... I don't know if I'll get another one. Um, it kind of depends on. Uh, I mean, that's a good guy to see where his ADP has gone recently. It's it's
0: held steady. He's gone down Mm -hmm. like two picks. So it's basically neutral there for Hunjin Ryu. You know, here's the thing I'm not sure we should go too crazy on on the setup and everything of like where he's pitching and all that. It's never been about talent, it's always been about health. Yeah. So I almost think he's going to be underrated no matter what, Mm -hmm. Hunjin Ryu. And you know he has to make it through less of a season. I do think that that does play a role with regards to the health. He might still get hurt, but at least you don't—you're not trying to get him through six months. You're mm-hmm. trying to get him through three plus, and that's that—that that matters to me. So he's only got to make it through
1: sixteen starts, like
0: that. So. Exactly. Yeah. I mean. So that puts me in on him. I'm just not sure that I'm adding more. Like I said, I've already got kind of—I've mm-hmm. already got kind of enough for what I like. But, uh, yeah, he he is interesting, though, Ryu is. And I do think he's being a bit overlooked, as if he's going to go to the AL East and not be able to succeed. I think if he's healthy, he's going to be able to succeed. Yeah, I agree. So, um, all right, I think that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, I'm talking about notable guys moving, uh, the latest draft proposal, or the latest season proposal, and the five-round draft. Justin, we could be close to baseball, but... Until then, I guess we're just hanging. Um, We should maybe fire up another draft soon. We need to come up with another baseball themed draft. Well, we should talk about yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're gonna be in a draft tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. Um, A 1999 redraft. Ron Chandler and company. They've been doing these. We both got into one and happened to be the same one here. So this is gonna be pretty cool. So you know, how do you draft when you know the results? You know everything already. So it's interesting for me because uh,
1: I started playing fantasy baseball in 2001. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a draft from a season I've never actually drafted for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even I mean, it 20 years ago for everybody, but uh, like I'm really having to kind of dig into what the year 1999 was in terms of uh, guys. I, I, I think uh, it's going to be really, really interesting and really fun. Especially, we got a really good group with us, uh, so yeah. I know we're going to be doing a Zoom call during it, um, uh, and so I, I'm hoping... Uh, between you and me, there's already a lot of trash talk. Where are you picking? I'm picking six.
0: Um, I should know this, but I don't. Hang on. Let me do a really fun thing where I check all of this on the show, and I'm picking ninth. Six nine is what we're picking. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice.
1: So yeah. No, anyway, it's. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's. Uh. I mean, it's one of these drafts where you know, unlike a mock draft or, or a regular draft, like you have a whole season that that has to play out. We're going to like know instantly who, who's, who's winning. Win- yeah, who's winning yep. and who wins. And uh, I'm I'm debating maybe trying. A, you know, a weird strategy just to see if I can, you know, kind of, you know, do something a little bit different um, uh, than, than most people. But it, I mean, it really depends on who makes it to me at number six, you know, I, yes. I, uh, which I'm, you know, it's so hard because I have no idea like how teams are going to approach it. Uh, so uh, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm I'm excited for it uh it's something to do on a wednesday night uh, i don't know if they're going to be live streaming it or not that's a, that's a good oh, question i'm going to be
0: oh sweet yeah so i i will i will be streaming it twitch.tv/spore if y'all are interested come through should be a lot of fun i'm excited and um yeah it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun here and some of these guys have already have already done a couple of these so mm. they're they're a little bit more accustomed to it different season but they've already got kind of the the rhythms of everything we're gonna figure it out though you and i'll be working on the fly it's gonna be a lot of fun so um we'll, we'll give some results to that on thursday morning discussing that any other news that pops up and then uh, maybe just find a, a a through line to discuss a handful of players but great talking with you on this rainy tuesday here in austin and uh, i'll talk to you in a couple days take it easy peace